What does it mean that God is faithful? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Brian DeBozik, and with me, as always, is Aaron Armstrong. Aaron, we have not had an episode in a little while. Yeah, and we probably should have mentioned something on last week's Doctrine episode, but we took a little bit of a break from the essential doctrines discussion, um, largely because we've had to take a little bit of a break with releasing our 99 and 99 videos uh, because, you know, we have been under, um, you know, safer at home guidelines and things like that. And and it gets challenging to um, shoot videos. Yeah, it, it, it really does. I was trying to shoot some videos um, in my home and just it, I could not get it to work. Um, you know, you have to have the right lighting. You have to have a decent camera or something. The sound has to be. And so there's so much that goes on to them that sometimes it's like, all right, I just can't make that happen. So that's one that was a casualty, the uh, 99 and 99 for that season. Yeah. And uh, so, Lord willing, we will be back up and running and consistent on these uh, going forward. So, um, yeah. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Well, and, and it actually, it's... it's uh, it's a, a appropriate segue to our topic today because we're talking about God being faithful and we have had to cling to this truth in these crazy days. We sure have. Um, unlike our inconsistency in some, you know, providing some podcast episodes, he is always <laughs> consistent in his faithfulness. So there is my lame attempt at bringing us back on topic. Well, you tried and that's what's important, I, but I God is and, faithful over your... Poor segues. <laughs> so. so with that said, why don't you go ahead and read the essential doctrine for God is faithful, and then we'll go from there. Sounds good. So uh, God's faithfulness means that God keeps his word and always fulfills his promises. God's faithfulness is demonstrated in his fulfillment of the promises he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Apostle Paul linked the attribute of faithful to God's coming through on his word um, when he says in 1 Thessalonians 5:24 he who calls you is faithful who also will do it we reflect god by keeping the promises we make to him and to others now in many of these essential doctrines we reference uh, scripture it's a lot of times it's what we point people to and the and the the references are in the doctrine itself if you read the printed document this is one of the few times we actually quote within the essential doctrine a passage which is just a little bit of an interesting tidbit so this one uh, we could summarize simply as this that God keeps his word always no matter what he is faithful so let's talk about a couple of places we see this in scripture what, what are a couple of, of passages in addition to that first Thessalonians 5 that you can think of well um, there are quite a few um, so but among them, particular, and if we just focus on the New Testament for a little bit, uh, among them are 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verse 9, which says, God is faithful. You were called by him into His fellow into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Um, second, second Timothy 2.13 um, says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. 
And 1 Peter 4, 19 says, So then, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. So even in those three, we see his faithfulness expressed in different contexts. The first one, 1 Corinthians 1, 9, it's the context of salvation, that the promises that we're going to refer to in a minute that, that God has made in the Old Testament throughout history came uh, to bear in Christ providing our salvation. The second one, 2 Timothy 2, we see that God is faithful even if we are faithless. So it's not dependent. God's faithfulness is not dependent on our trustworthiness or our deeds or anything. We can't earn it. It, it is He is faithful because of who he is. And then 1 Peter 4, even in suffering, and that's an important one because that's, that's a season where a lot of people start to doubt God's faithfulness, his goodness, his love. And even in suffering, we are reminded that God is still faithful. So an important doctrine, it's, it's hard to keep that in our hearts and minds at times, but that's what we have to fight for. I, I think in general, you see God's faithfulness, and this is what the essential doctrine alluded to itself, in God's fulfilled prophecies that we find in Scripture. Every time we come across a prophecy in the Old Testament and we know it came to pass, it is a reminder, God is faithful. He is true. And then also, uh, tangent to that, a subset of it, if you will, it's God's fulfilled promises to his people. So how many times do you see in the Old Testament even, God says, I will do this, mm-hmm. and then he does it. Right. And it's like, all right, he's faithful. Yeah, and that that is both positive and negatively. So um, so. God promises promises blessing to his people and he and he and he fulfills that. He promises he also promises judgment for their unfaithfulness and he and he is faithful to that too. I mean the greatest example of all of course is the Exodus. Or sorry, um uh, Exodus and the exile. So he promises that he is going to that his people will be free. Um he promises that his people will be brought to this land, this land that he calls a, a land flowing with milk and honey, a good land that will be prosperous and a good home for them, um, that they will be free to worship the worship the Lord, um, even in even in and and it all happens, um, and and so that is a that is a key thing. We also see in the midst of that, God also uh, because of their unbelief promises that they will they will wander in the wilderness for 40 years specifically because they did not believe him and 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 that's one of those things that we always look at it's like we we are always quick to forget too is that god was um that god wasn't having them wander around willy-nilly um walking in circles for 40 years because they were lost and he didn't know where he was going um and he was and he wasn't asking for directions he he wasn't trying to buy time to figure out what to do no gosh no he knew exactly like they could have been in there in a couple of months instead it was 40 years and it was 40 years because they didn't trust him so and again that's a really good point um that God's faithfulness, generally we think of this in a positive, and, and it's right and fitting to do that, but there's also that other side of it that, that we need to keep in mind. So with, with that said, I think that's a caution that we're kind of getting to. Let, let's just kind of move to that segment of, of this episode. What other cautions um, do we have to keep in mind as we understand this doctrine? Well, I think 
one of the first things that we need to do is is that we need to remember that God is faithful to do what he has promised to do, not necessarily what we might want him to do. And those are two very different things. And so one of the things that we need to be careful there is, is that we're not declaring promises that God has not made. We, we don't get to hold God to something that he hasn't said he's going to do. Um, and so think about, um, you know, think about the guys who promote the prosperity gospel. Um, you know, they, they treat very often will take truisms about that deal with prosperity or descriptive passages dealing with an individual about prosperity and try to apply that as a blanket truth. Um, you think the prayer of Jabez and the whole expand my territory deal. Um, there's a very lovely couple that, that I knew as a new believer that, um, you know, they, you know, they were encouraging, um, praying something like that. And, uh, and I was like, not unless God wants me to have more. Thank you. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and, and so that was, and, but that's one of those things. It's like, um, and in, in the Proverbs where we see, you know, the, these truisms about, um, how are these general principles about how, you know, diligent work, um, and careful saving and, you know, responsibility, how all of these things lead to, um, ultimately like to some degree of wealth. Um, well, it's like, well, that's generally true, but not always you can work hard and not make any money. You, you know, you can save well and then have the, and then, you know, have your savings wiped out. Um, you know, these things, these things do happen. Yeah. And, and we'd be wrong, you know, the economy tanks and uh, right now, I know a lot of people are suffering because of COVID and a lot of unemployment and, um, it's tempting to, to raise our clenched fists toward God and say, you failed uh, me because you promised you would provide X, Y, Z. And, and I think we have to be careful. Did he really promise X, Y, Z? Are you understanding that correctly? And I think just to dovetail on this, the context of the promises we read in scripture matters so greatly because, you know, it's so tempting, um, either intentionally, as I would say, some of our prosperity gospel people do, or unintentionally out of true ignorance, not an ugly ignorance, but true ignorance. Um, it's, it's tempting to co-opt God's promises, uh, because we're failing to understand context. So for example, there are universal promises that are universal that yes, we do claim judgment. You mentioned a minute ago, that that's a, that's a universal promise. Uh, God promised never to flood the world again. That's a universal promise. But then there are promises that are a little bit more restricted. They're just made to God's people. We are forgiven. For example, that is true of you and me as brothers in Christ and all others who are listening, who are in Christ. That is not true of the unregenerate person. He or she is not forgiven. They, they cannot claim those promises. Uh, we are righteous. Similarly, that's a promise that we can claim as believers only. But then there are promises we read that are to individuals. My favorite to illustrate this is God's promise to Mary that she would give birth as a virgin. I've never tried to claim that promise, Aaron. Well, I should I hope about not. You. <laughs> But it's absurd to think of me claiming that promise, right? It's absurd for a woman today to claim that promise. 
because we know it's just to marry. And so there are promises like this. Jesus told the disciples to cast the net on the right side of the boat and they would catch a large amount of fish. John chapter 21. When I go fishing, I don't cast out on the right side with a net saying, all right, God, you promised John 21, 6, where's my fish? It's absurd. So this is the thing. We know there are times where a promise is to individual, either individuals or specific occasions or events that cannot be claimed by others. But it's in the Bible. It's right there. We don't put John 21, 6 on my fishing tackle box and say, all right, I'm going to get fish every time. Right. Also, don't let what you read in, in, you know, particularly read on the internet when people, you know, share verses out of context or um, share, you know, nice sounding quotes. Don't let those, don't let those, you know, guilt you into trying to claim a promise that doesn't belong to you. I think my rule of thumb is always be leery of coffee mug Bible verses. Now, again, I say that not to diminish all the scripture is, is pro, do not hear me trying to, it's the idea of let me take one verse out of context, slop it on a coffee mug and make it my life verse without considering the context of it. Yeah. You know, and Jeremiah 29, 11 is, you know, I mean, it's easy to pick on Jeremiah 29, 11 and it's a great verse and it's pro and what it says is true. Um, and it was true primarily for the exiled Israelites. Um, and that is, is one of those key things. It's like, who is the promise for? Yes. First. And Jeremiah is probably like, stop. No, no, not again. I'm so mad. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do, I, I can, can do all things. I can things run through. that marathon. I can do, <laughs> no, that actually the context that is living in poverty. Yeah. So it's contentment is the, is yes, what it's, it's talking contentment. about. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so these are things and it's like, does and, and now here's where we need to temper ourselves because Brian and I tend can get cranky about things like this. Um, we, we don't get cranky. We start cranky. Okay. We don't get better, get better. Posture. Is that what we're trying to do here? <laughs> um, so anyway. I just can't wait until I'm an old man and I can be that fully cranky old man. You have been, you've been practicing and, and I, I respect been. that. So anyway, been. here's the, here's the thing just to, just to temper this a little bit, because I mean, if you're ever, if again, if you have used, if you have been encouraged by one of these verses in, you know, regardless of context, you know, great. God, God is faithful to his word, whether we're faithful to his context or not, to its context or not. God is so much better than us and more gracious than, than we are. And so that's one of those things that, that we should always, that we should always remember as well is even when we, we try to take and miss up and accident, often accidentally misapply God's word. God is still, God is good to us. God is kind to us. And if you're a new believer, especially, you're almost guaranteed to take just about everything out of context. (laughs) And God is going to be very kind to you in that as well. Um, And I know that from personal experience. So it, it takes us back to that. He is faithful. Absolutely. I think one other caution before we move on to the difference is we... And and we have exhausted this, of course. We need to be careful about claiming the promises correctly. But we also have to be careful to allow God to be faithful in his way and in his time. So sometimes the way he makes good in his promise is really unexpected. 
and think about Jesus. He's the perfect example of this. Um, you know, Jesus was promised all along throughout the Old Testament, this Messiah. And when Jesus came, the way he came was so out of the thinking of people. Many rejected him because it was too far away from the way they thought God would make good on his promise. So they missed it. And in his timing, uh, we read in scripture in Galatians that Jesus was given in just the right time. So that's a promise, the return of Jesus. We know that there, there are hot debates about when and how Jesus will return. I'm guessing next week based on how 2020 is going. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, the way 2020, we are, we are living the apocalypse. Um, but, you know, there's debate there, and it's fine to debate that and try to understand it. But we have to see there, we don't know quite the way. We don't quite know the time. Um, although people have tried to say definitively the time and have failed every time, but we know that Jesus will return. So allow God to make good on that promise in his way and his time. So I, I just think that's another care. We have to be careful because sometimes the way God makes good on a promise can be a little bit painful for us. All right. So what difference should this doctrine make, Aaron? Well, I think one of the things that it should do in us, what it should inspire, um, like so many doctrines, um, and it can, again, it, it borders on cliche for us to say some of these things, but it's still true that uh, this doctrine should inspire confidence and hope for us. And and the reason specifically for that confidence and hope is that we know that even the best of us are going to be in at best middling on how faithful we are um, to fulfill our promises. But here's the thing. God will never, ever fail. When he says he's going to do something, he is going to do it. And so when we feel like he has failed, there's a question that we have to ask ourselves, which is, are we holding him to a standard that he is not, that he has not held himself to? Are we, are we holding him to a promise that he has not made? Or are we misunderstanding a promise that he has made um, to mean something else? Than what it really is. And so those are those are our important things that we need to look at from one perspective. The other side of it too is, is that we can we need to spend a lot of time in scripture. We need to spend as much time as we um, as we can, given um, you know all the different kind of factors you can think of, um, you know, time, reading ability, um, you know, all of these things. But whatever, whatever it is, like spend time, understand the, the promises that God has made, that he true, that, that the ones not just that are for specific people at, at specific times, but do look at ones that he has made that are for all people at all times, for all of us who put our faith in him and cling to those as much as we can, especially in times when it's really hard to. I think one other uh, w difference that this doctrine should make is really practically is, is evangelism. Um, it should motivate us toward evangelism. And, and I think in two ways, one, as you're just saying, I mean, as you, as you think about God's faithfulness to us, his goodness to us, it should fill us with such a love and profound sense of gratitude that we want to tell others about him and we want them to experience his goodness as well. 
But the flip side of that is, as you talked about earlier, you know, God is faithful in bringing about judgment. And he has, he has promised that those who reject him, that stay in their rejection of Christ, will spend eternity apart from him and apart from anything good. And that should move us. That should um, stir us deeply. That should trouble us to think of anyone living for eternity apart from God, apart from anything good. And it should prompt us to want to tell people, if we have a shred of care about people, it should motivate us to want to tell them about Christ. So positively, we want them to experience the goodness. And negatively, if you will, we want them, uh, like we, have found the escape from judgment because that judgment has been placed on Christ. All right, so let's wrap it up there for the day. I think that's a good place for us to stop. And I want to thank you for listening to today's episode of this podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the platform that you do use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.